The two that were commended as having great faith were non-Jews. There was nothing really spiritual about them. I don't know if you'd consider them praying people. Centurion probably didn't do his hour of prayer that day. The Samaritan woman, yeah, probably not. Now, I'm not saying you don't be spiritual and expect God to move. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's not necessarily based on that. <clears throat> and the reason I bring it up is that's another excuse that people use or, or reasons that they believe God's not doing anything in my life. I'm not spiritual enough. If I would be more like Jesus, if I could draw closer to God, if, if, if I could just be pleasing to him, God would start doing things in my life. And that's not true either. We should strive for perfection. We should strive for Christ-likeness. But God loves you just the way you are. If you could believe that, you'd have enough. What's notable about the centurion? He recognized two things. He recognized Christ's authority. I'm a man under authority. I have authority. I understand authority. And I know that you have authority. If you speak the word, it's going to happen. He recognized God's authority. He also recognized Christ's ability. That he could actually do that. He recognized his power and his authority. Okay, so how about the Samaritan woman? She persevered. She would not take no for an answer. She banked on his willingness to say yes. In her mind, he wants to say yes, I just got to give him a reason to. Sometimes we think he's going to say no. I'm going to ask him, but he's going to tell me no. I don't even know why I'm coming to him with it. He wants to say yes. Now, of course, the usual caveats apply. You're asking in his will. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if you're praying effectually, he wants to say yes. If he says no initially, there's a reason for it. Keep asking. Keep pressing. He's going to say yes. The two of them have something in common. Both asked for something that he was obviously doing or willing to do. They asked him for something that he was already in the process of doing. Jesus' healing ministry had already, had already started. People knew that. He heals people. So they asked him for that because he was already doing it. Because of that, they showed a commitment to the will and plan of God. They prayed in his will. They understood what that was. God heals other, all of these other people. He healed whole multitudes. The Bible says in several places he healed every one of them. Multitudes of people. Every one of them. He's known for this. This is what he does. So when I ask him, he'll do it for me. 
because he did it for them. And they understood this. So what kind of faith do we need? The nature of great faith, faith is operating on fact. It operates on facts, not wishes, not hopes, not dreams, on facts. The fact of Scripture, the fact of Christ's character. We understand what those things are, and so we bank on them. We trust that they're going to remain consistent. Our faith operates on facts. Both of these people went on the facts that they had. They didn't know everything about who God was. They, I doubt, knew that he was the Messiah. They knew he could heal. They knew that. So they operated on that. The greater the commitment to act on fact, the greater the faith. The more convinced we are of the facts of Scripture, the more convinced we are of the character of God, the greater our faith is going to be in Scripture and in the character of God. Understanding that God loves me no matter what I do. That's hard for me to accept sometimes. Probably a lot of you. I don't get that. I don't understand Because I know me. You know you. I don't get why he does. I understand he does. I'm thankful he does. But I don't understand it. And sometimes it's really hard for me to receive it. Well, we can't... Re- <laughs> These guys got me turned on to Chester right now. I'm, I'm listening to that. <laughs> you guys probably... You guys probably get that. <laughs> If you haven't listened to Chester Wright's message on shame, you've got to listen to it. It is, it is revelatory. It will change your spiritual walk. I, I'm not, I'm not boasting. I'm not, I'm not hyping it up. It will, it will change your spiritual walk. Listen to that. Find it on YouTube. Anyway, we have got to be able to receive the love of God. We've got to be able to understand that He loves me no matter what. I can't earn it. I can't become good enough. I want to be good. I want to do those things that please him. But I don't always do those things. I fail God sometimes. I let him down. And the worst thing in my mind is that I know I'm going to do it again at some point. I know it. But God still loves me. He knows it. He still loves me. Just as much as he did before. Just as much as he's going to tomorrow. And we can, we can put our hope in that. We can put our faith in that. That he, no matter what I do or don't do, he loves me. And I have got to get to the place where I can just receive that. Just believe it. Yes, I am who I am. Yes, I have done these things. I'm probably going to do stupid things in the future. But God will still love me. God will still accept me. If I repent, he will forgive me. And it doesn't matter how I act as far as his love toward me. 
I can't earn it. I can't be good enough for it. But he gives it freely. And I can put my hope in that, my trust in that. The power of Scripture, the promises he's given us. We've been talking for a long time now about covenants. He has covenanted with us to take care of these things. These promises that he has given us, they are covenant promises. He has bound himself to his word. He's bound himself to you and me that he would do these things if we would just call on him to do it. He has made this available to us. And if we believe that, if we trust in that, if our knowledge of that is to the extent where I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that these things are true, then I'm going to act on it. I'm going to take action on it. The contents of great faith, therefore, recognizes who God is. I understand his character. I understand who he is, how he is, how he acts. These things are solid. The Bible says that he's immutable. He never changes. If he is that way now, he is going to continue to be that way forevermore. I can't do anything to change him. Nobody can. He will not change. If he loves me now, he will always love me. So I recognize who God is. Great faith accepts his absolute authority. He has all authority. It's his inherently. It's his because of who he is. It's his because he created everything. This is his house. This is his everything. He built it. He owns it. He didn't buy it from anyone. He didn't come into it unowned and just assume ownership. He built it from the ground up. It's his. He makes the rules. He has all authority. And I have to accept that. Before I came to God, I hated that. And so did you. It's, it's in us. Rebellion is built into us. Look at little children. The blessed little children. They're so cute. Don't have to teach them to lie. Don't have to teach them to be selfish. Don't have to teach them no. That's Sometimes that's the first word out of their mouth. No, no, no. <clears throat> that stays with us. That rebellious nature stays with us. When we become adults, when I came to the Lord, I was an adult. And I had a tough time submitting. Submitting to the authority of God. I recognized he was more powerful than me. For me, that went a long way. Until I could submit to his authority. He could crush me. <laughs> Good enough. All right, I'll do what you say. <clears throat> but he has all authority. And as much as we want to and as spiritual as we get, there are times where we struggle with that. We want to do things that God doesn't want us to do. We want to stop doing things God wants us to do. I don't want to teach that Bible study. I don't want to take that call at 2 in the morning. I'm tired. I don't want to minister to you now. I got to bed at midnight. I got to get up at 5. Whatever it is. I don't want to do some things. But God wants me to do them. And I've got to submit myself to that. 
when we do submit ourselves to that, it always works out great. It, we're always blessed because of our submission to authority. It's not a bad thing to submit to authority. It is the best thing we can do. When we submit to God's authority, then God is free to bless us. He's free to provide. He's free to, to work through us. If you, <laughs> if you read the entire Pentateuch, if you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you will understand that it's important to submit to authority. And it's not because God's an ogre and he's, he's got this big head that needs to be uh, puffed up from time to time. It's because he understands what's best for us. Parents understand what's best for their kids. The kids don't. And therefore, the kids resist that authority. Well, why can't I do this? Well, why do you want me to do that? Initially, it's, it's enough to say, because I said so. When they're five, six, seven years old, that's generally good enough. Later on, they think they develop a brain, and they think they want answers. They want... <laughs> Two kids for sure are staring daggers at me. <clears throat> so they want answers. They need answers. Okay. Kids ask you a question, give them a good reason for what you say. But God gives us good reasons in Scripture. And if he tells you something specifically, and he doesn't tell you why right away, that's where we fall back to his character. What kind of character has God demonstrated in the past? Has he done things to harm me? No. Has he done things to cause me to stumble and fall? No. He's only done things that are good for me. He's only done things to, to build me up and to edify me. So if he tells me to do something and I'm just not really understanding it at the moment, that's okay. Do it anyway. Because I trust God. I trust his character. I trust the history that I have with him. I trust what's said about him in Scripture is true. I don't have to always know why. I like to know why. And a lot of times he does tell me why. But not always. And that's okay. Because he's in charge. Great faith accepts his complete ability, his power to get things done. Have you ever been given authority, but not the power to do something? Pretty frustrating, isn't it? That's never a good, that's never a good scenario. That generally leads to, I don't want this position anymore. <clears throat> God doesn't do that. Not with us, and he doesn't, it's not true of his own character. He has all authority, but he also has all power. He can get done whatever he needs to get done. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can create things out of nothing. He can rewrite the laws of nature. In fact, whatever he's thinking, I like to think of it this way, his thoughts automatically rewrite reality into whatever he's thinking. He's that powerful. 
Reality is a reflection of whatever he wants, whatever he thinks. He has all power. The contents of great faith persists in its mission. I don't get discouraged asking God for something that I know is in his will. I don't get discouraged for something, uh, for asking for something that I know he wants me to have. Now, he may or may not want me to have a $10 million home. I'll ask. He'll probably say no. But what I do know he wants is for me to, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. What I do know is he wants me to be involved in ministry. And so when I ask for those things, I can ask boldly, I can ask confidently that he is going to answer those in the affirmative. He's going to open doors. He's going to speak through me. He's going to give me opportunities to minister. He's going to do all of these things through me because I asked. I believe that he would say yes. And if he says no initially, that's okay. I'm going to keep asking. I'll be busy where I'm at. Wherever he planted me, I'll try to be productive there. But I'm going to keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Eventually he says yes. And not just with that, whatever, fruit of the Spirit, character. Uh, God has told me to do something and I'm struggling with it. Help me to, help me to do this. Help me to get this done. Help me to stop doing this that you told me I need to get rid of. Help me to get rid of it. And he'll help you. So it stays persistent in its mission. It doesn't give up. It doesn't lose hope. It stays serious about what it desires. The things that I'm asking for are important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be asking. God understands that too. God told us in his word that we need to redeem the time, right? So he's not going to waste yours either. He doesn't waste time. He has all time, but we don't. He knows that. He's not going to waste your time. If he's delaying an answer, it's for a very good reason. But the thing that you're asking for is important. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bringing it to him. It's important to you. Therefore, it's important to him. When a small child comes up and he's distraught, he is so heartbroken because... The arm on his G.I. Joe doll fell off. It's no big deal to me. Worst case scenario, I'll go buy a new one. But for the child, I mean, his world is shattered. That's his favorite G.I. Joe doll. So it's important to me, too, because it's important to him. As a father, as our Heavenly Father, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That doesn't mean he's just sympathetic toward you. It means he's feeling it with you. He feels that with you. He knows what you're going through. He understands how it affects you. And so he's there with you in the midst of it. When he hung on the cross, he took all of that on him. All of it. All of those fears. All of those doubts. All of that pain. He took that. So he knows exactly what you're feeling, what you're going through. 
And so when we bring things to him, we don't have to think, well, this is not really all that important. It's not really that big. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Pray for that engine that has a blown head gasket. I've heard miracles of God healing engines. <clears throat> if it's important to you, it's important to him. Stay serious about what you're asking God for. The contents of great faith is totally committed to the will of God. We're asking in his will. Obviously, when you know something is not in his will, ask away, but... Yeah, you kind of are wasting your time. Don't ask for something that you know is outside of God's will. If you're not sure, ask. He'll tell you. If you are sure, definitely ask. Ask for things you know is God's will. And he will propel you forward. You will see an answer to that prayer. Surely more can be accomplished than we see and more accomplished than others do. It's just a matter of accepting the facts and acting on them. Let's all stand. Great faith isn't rocket science. It's not a great mystery. It's not a seven-step process to great faith. Seven easy steps to miracle signs and wonders.